Actually, what it looks like is, is that you're actually experiencing now things that I have been teaching on a regular basis that you recognize. Um, so tell, tell me that again now that we've got the camera rolling. Um, so there's been a lot of anxiety from work-related anxiety, um, worrying about if things don't get done, then it's going to feel bad. It's going to be bad. And it seems like it's it's like a survival instinct type thing. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. That's exactly right. You think that if you don't get it, your neck is on the line yeah. somehow. That's built into our culture. <clears throat> that people who are in power, they want to have that power over other people. And that's, in fact, what's uh, remnants of that is all of the bowing and scraping that you'll find in Buddhism at certain levels, okay, is subjugation to the king, uh, and that if you don't uh, bow and kneel before the king, you might not walk away from the spot you're standing. Mm. And so uh, everything becomes kind of a survival issue. And for sure, during the Middle Ages um, and the Dark Ages, everything actually was a survival issue. That we don't have to go back 100,000 years ago to recognize everything was a survival issue before. Mm. That it's only in kind of modern times that things are actually not generally a survival issue. Yeah. Though at least once every lifetime, something actually is a survival issue. At least once. <laughs> because we are, no one is going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still last as long as we do because of this survival instinct that has kept us alive. Without that survival instinct, Humans wouldn't last, wouldn't have lasted as a species very long. If everybody was as daredevil as evil Knievel, can you imagine an entire society of evil Knievels? There's only going to be one or two generations of that kind of thing. (laughs) Okay, so we do need that um, um, instinct that keeps us in a state of uh, caution or fear. But unfortunately, it's got far too many false positives. And that that's basically what your experience. If you don't get this work done at work, you're going to have a panic attack or an anxiety kind of uh, attack because of the false positive that the fear underlying that anxiety is, is coming up. And it's really not appropriate. Okay. Which means that what we need to do is a little more training on getting that survival instinct to only come up when it's needed rather than coming up too often at the wrong time. Okay. That in fact, quitting your job is not a survival issue. But boy, a lot of people think so. That in fact, they have understood 
from uh, research in psychology that possibly the most traumatic thing that can happen to a human is to get fired from a job. All right. That even that's more traumatic than losing a spouse. Wow. But when, when you lose your job, you lose your identity. Yeah. Of who am I? Not only that, but you lo- you launched a major portion of your time structuring. So not only who am I, but what am I to do with me? Yeah. This also becomes an issue. <clears throat> and so you can see where the pre-anxiety of that before one loses their job uh, puts us in a state of anxiety. It's really kind of inappropriate, especially if you've still got the job. So far, so good. Yep. You know, still got the job. You haven't lost it yet. And maybe you can even find a way of enjoying that job that you've got to do that you're panicking over. Mm. So in this regard, we're actually talking about a change of attitude about it. But unfortunately, the attitude that you have was the attitude that everyone has, and that is is that our anxiety has somehow become our boss. Yeah. That the alarm bell is ringing so loud that we have to respond to it. We're driven, in fact, by an old feeling that is not appropriate for the moment. And so what we have to do then is to actually take control of those feelings. And so this is part of the Anapanasati practice is that first we learn to control the breath. It really is about learning the skill of controlling the breath so that we get a lot of fresh air. Then, and while we're doing that also, we begin to learn to control the mind in the sense of waking it up, making it bright. Later, we make it even more to the point by liberating it by keeping all of the thoughts wholesome. But that leaves this issue of Vedana, the feelings. Now, generally, when we use the word Vedana, that word from the Pali and modern uh, Indian languages, the word Vedana there is kind of a, um, a bad feeling, almost as like almost all feelings are bad feelings. And there's very rarely and, and it's unusual for us to have really good feelings. And so all feelings wind up being bad feelings, including the liking that we do, because if we like something, then we want it, then we got to have it, and now we're in a state of desire. That's also not necessarily a good feeling. Mm. So that we, we want to start cultivating the good feelings, which is associated then with the word sukha, which is the opposite of dukkha, because from that state of sukha, that we can actually see that kind of anxiety that has been there. So this is what I would propose to you, that in fact you're talking about something successful that you've been able to do, that you're actually seeing something that you hadn't seen before. And so let me ask it this way. Do you think that this anxiety is new or is this old stuff? As in... Or what's causing as it? In or? You, as in, this, this is brand new and this is the first time you've ever had anxiety. Oh, no, definitely Or this not. is an old, familiar feeling. Yep. Okay. It's, uh, 
Yeah. It's but now you're beginning to wake up to it properly. And when, I, when I'm using that word, waking up to it properly, I, it seems that it's ne necessary to talk to students in the sense that there's kind of two levels of wakefulness. Right. The first kind of wakefulness is the wakefulness like when you first wake up in the morning and you know that you're awake. You may, in fact, start looking for the alarm clock or whatever like that. But then maybe after the snooze alarm or whatever, you actually wake up enough to say, okay, now it's time to go. Now it's time to get out of bed, okay? That's when we become fully awake. Generally, people don't get out of the bed half asleep and half awake. They're awake, but they're still in sleep mode, yep. right? But then there's the wake up all the way. And some people will wake up, get out of bed, and go wake up fully under a cold shower. Yeah. That's awake. So we can have examples of that. One would be the Zendo, where the, in the middle of the night, the Zen master comes in with his stick and whacks everybody who's not already sitting up because they know he came into the room. Or another one will be the drill sergeant in, uh, in boot camp. He comes banging his fist, or not his fist, but his club and whatnot around, and everybody's got to jump right out of the rack, hit the floor, standing at attention, right? They got to wake up. Wow. This is worse. Okay, this is the whole point is how quick can you wake up and how fully can you wake up? Right. And yet much of meditation is only kind of half waking up, <clears throat> like waking up to actually see the anxiety, but not waking up to fully see, damn, I've got to get rid of that stuff. Let me yank that out, you know, and have some right. gusto at getting rid of it. Wow. You know, I got to get that stuff out. It's like... Uh, recognizing that we just stuck our hand in the fire. It's like, yeah, out it comes, you know? And so this is the kind of wake up that we're looking for, is to wake up to that anxiety so that we can immediately take a deep breath, kind of focus and concentrate on that anxiety with the idea that we can breathe that stuff right out of here. Mm -hmm. We're going to catch it quicker and quicker so that it's easier and easier to remove. We don't want to kind of half wake up and let it stay there festering and boiling and bubbling and getting worse and worse. Because as we do that, it actually begins to change the body's chemistry. The body chemistry starts to add more and more adrenaline into the body, which means that it takes longer to get that uh, extra adrenaline out. So the right. sooner we can pick up on this then the easier it is to breathe it all out again. And so if you can get, dang, that's anxiety, let's start breathing right into it. It will uh, dissipate really, really quickly. And you'll begin to master it. Because you already have come to the right view that right now is not actually dangerous. Yeah. Now is not dangerous. That's an important point for us to remember because only danger is in the past or in the future. Yep. Yeah. Things are dangerous in the past because they need to be fixed. I was a bad boy. Bad boy. I was a bad boy. I got so many repair jobs to do in my life. I will never get over repairing all the damage I've done. And we can get into that kind of mentality until we realize, wait a minute, that's not me. I live at this standard now. This is who I am, and I can just flush all of that knowledge of bad behavior right away. Because yep. I'm not that.
or I'm not that anxiety. I am not remorse. We can give up that remorse for the past. We can give up the, all of the unpaid debts, all of the bad feelings and everything to come to this present moment, which is generally not dangerous. You actually don't either have a rat on the floor under your feet or a gorilla at your door. Neither one. Things are good right now. Yep. And here we are sitting with anxiety about getting a job done. And so that's the wake-up call. Can you wake up to say, wait a minute, things are really good right now. Let's breathe deeply and rid this anxiety from the body. It's almost like, um, <clears throat> because I've been, I've been doing that, and it comes right back. Yeah, and, it sure does. And I get, the, I get the thought, oh, wait, I don't want to be happy right now, and I know it's not true. Um, but it keeps coming back um, and I try to get rid of it and it just that's yeah. when we're kind of half awake I don't want to feel good right now is that dream like sleep is telling yourself yeah. a lie because the fact is you do want to be free from suffering and you know that deep down inside but that half sleepy dreamy state is oh I would rather go back to sleep this is too much to wake yeah. up right now that's common. That's very common. In fact, you can actually make a formal practice out of it and, and give it a name. And that name is choiceless awareness. Yeah, I'm aware of all of this crap that I'm in, but I'm, I'd rather just stay here than get out of it. Kind of choiceless awareness kind of thing. Just accept it as it is. Yeah. But real acceptance is to accept ourselves in the full glory of the reality of the situation rather than trying to accept a duality of bad feelings. Let's pop out of that and experience the reality of the moment as it really is. It's not dangerous. This is great. But we have to practice. Have to practice. We have to practice waking up. We have to practice that right effort to wake up and we have to practice that right effort of taking that deep breath over and over and over again because the body will naturally go back into uh, sleep mode mm. where the breathing is very shallow in fact that's one of the problems with various sleeping disorders like sleep apnea and old people especially get tired when they wake up in the mornings and the reason for that is because they haven't been breathing very much during the night. But if we can remember to keep breathing throughout the night, then when we wake up, we wake up really fresh. That the body has actually gotten the rest that it needed and done the repairs that it needed because it had all the repair equipment to do the repairs that it needed to do. But if you are kind of half-starved for air all night long, then um, that repair... Uh, doesn't quite happen so well. So you could actually say that not breathing very well is a, is a cause of old age. Uh -huh. There's another cause of old age, and that is the number of years you put in. <laughs> <laughs> but that may have to do with the number of years you put in in breathing well versus the number of years you put in in not breathing very well. Yep. 
And so over time, it has a great beneficial influence of that breathing well, especially in the sense of throwing out a lot of chemicals and stuff that are in the blood that are left over a residue from our bad feelings. So that that's the way to expel the bad feelings is by the breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the Buddha's method. And it's talked about in the Anapanasati Sutta is to be in that state of sukha so that you can actually see that anxiety as it comes up. Because if you're in a normal half asleep or just ordinary state, the anxiety comes up and we're not really aware of it. It's just part of the, what's going on right now. It sort of grabs us and, and uh, crawls all over us and we just kind of not aware other than the fact that things feel heavier now than they did before. Hmm. But now we're waking up and waking up to see it. So the next part is to wake up enough to say, you've got to get out of here. I cannot tolerate this stuff. I will not tolerate it and I can control it. I do not need anxiety and, and fear right now because there's nothing to be afraid of. Yep. I, I give a story or an analogy like a dog. That we've got dogs here and they bark too much. They're out in the yard and they're barking at things this and the other. But every time they bark, they're doing their job. They're guard dogs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've got to go check out to see what they're barking at. So that I'm either going to give them approval to continue barking or I'm going to bring them back under heel. We can think of that same situation with our feelings too. Where the dog, our pet, is actually a vicious Preacher out in the yard, bark, 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 and that's when the feelings are bad. And we can check it out to recognize, you know, there's really no problem right now. I don't know why I have to go around feeling bad. Let's shut that dog up. It's time for that barking to stop. And so we call the dog by name and we scratch it behind the ears and we tell him what a good boy you are for out there barking. And so this is how we train the dog so that it becomes our pet. And then we begin to get even wiser and we recognize sometimes we know already what that dog is going to bark about and we know that it's wrong. So we're going to teach and train the dog when to bark and when not to bark, to call them back before they start barking when they tear off the porch after some mailman or something. No, he's, he's okay. You come back there. <laughs> Uh, and so this is also the way that we train the mind is we begin to see where those dangerous situations are about to occur and we get on alert mm-hmm. um, an example of that uh, is a student was saying that he had anxiety that he was beginning to notice anxiety every time he got into a conversation especially a technical conversation especially with his boss yeah and that he was in fear of actually getting fired. And the only thing to change was you start being aware of how you feel when you start the conversation with the boss. Keep deep and breathe, deep breathe, breathing deeply, staying calm. And it changed his whole relationship with his boss. Now he and his boss are off going to start their own company together. And that's oh, wow. so remarkable. That is remarkable. Yeah that he can change himself just by being very alert and very aware of the situation before it got started, never mind got out of control. 
And so you can put that to use for yourself, too. You can figure out those times when you're most likely to get anxiety and then be on strong guard that that don't happen. No anxiety allowed. Not now. Okay, and so we become on guard like that. And so this is a way of dealing with it both after we catch it, but in a way, we're talking about really how fast to sati. Now your sati is so fast that, it, that the sati comes before the dukkha. Yeah. So that you can go on guard for that dukkha rather than having to get stuck in it and then wake up and wake up halfway. Yeah. And then get really stuck in it. Now it's really hard to do any waking up at all. When people are really in a panic attack, there is very difficult to wake them up out of it. Yeah, but... Yeah, I feel, I feel um, a lot better right now. Yes, do go on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost like the anxiety, it's pretty much all gone. There is still the thought about it, but... Uh, for the most part, it's it's all gone right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that thought then will be that which you need to put you on guard. Just the thought of anxiety, and now you're on guard for it, so that yeah. it doesn't come. That's not the only trigger, but that's one of the many triggers you can use to wake up. Say, wait a minute, anxiety, five seconds ahead. Yeah. I feel like I um actually I get it quite a lot. Um, mainly to do with the work stuff, but generally in social situations as well. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it's in social situations when you feel like you've been put in a position of competing with someone for something or another? Um, no, more like when I'm on the spot or when the attention is on me. Mm-hmm. So not so much competing, although I, I suppose it does happen. Um, the main part of it, though, is when I'm on the spot, I think. Okay. In many cases, being on the spot is the same thing as the feeling of competition. You've got to come up to a standard. You've got to prove yourself. Uh, You've got to match uh, what you think other people are thinking and and other things. Yeah, okay. So you can see that it's got the same components as... um, It does, actually. uh, 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 ...competition. Uh, And it also has that quality of win or lose. Yeah which now is back to survival instinct. Yeah. If you win, you're champion. If you lose, you die. Yeah. Okay. At least the horrible death of uh, feeling bad. Yeah. Dejected. The loser. 
feeling like a loser. Okay, so that's what we become afraid of is that that losing or that fault or that uh, uh, mini death, as it were. In fact, that mini death or the death that I'm talking about now is generally the kind of death that both the Buddha and Jesus was talking about as opposed to the physical death. This is the metaphorical death. They can also be spoken of in the sense that a hero, uh, the ordinary man or the coward, dies a thousand times, but Mm. the hero dies only once. Mm. Okay, so this is the quality that we're talking about is is that um, you're afraid of death. And in fact, the reality of the situation is, is this this moment is not dangerous. Yeah. That your survival does not depend upon it. But you can see how that old ignorant childlike mentality that is um, instinctual confuses the situation. They, we think, we feel that it's dangerous where in fact the real out, the reality and the real situation things are not dangerous at all. In fact, when you feel under uh, pressure like that, the right thing to do is to crack a joke and make everybody laugh. Yeah. And take the pressure off of you. You don't have to perform. The only performance was in your own mind. And you might have gotten invited to do that, but that's generally a competitor that you're that you're thinking about. Yeah, I noticed that it's it's often also a lot worse thinking about it than when it actually happens. Like when actually being on the spot. There is still some anxiety, but thinking about being on the spot before that happens is seems to be a lot worse. Yes, and not only is it a lot worse on its own, but that part of it is completely irrelevant and bogus yeah. and just additional suffering that you don't have to have. Why don't you wait until you're actually on the spot to have the anxiety of being on the spot? Why do it in advance? That's that old yeah. method of thinking that we're in, okay? And so when you see that, you say, you know, I don't have to think about being on the spot. The next time I'm on the spot, I'll do fine. Even if I screw it up, I'm still fine. Yeah. And so every time you begin to think about uh, getting caught on the spot, you can say, aha, I caught you. Yeah. That, that's that point of sati. Coming out, aha, I see you. Because, in fact, if you let those thoughts run, they'll put you in a state of anxiety Yeah. within probably a minute or so. Yeah, it's, it's quick. And so if you can see those thoughts before they, they hit you or while they're hitting you or the first time that they hit you, then you can really say, aha, uh-huh, I see you, Myra, because, in fact, this is it, that relationship between the thought feeling that you talk yourself into feeling bad. But we can also feel our way into thinking bad. It goes both directions. The kind of feelings that we have create certain kinds of body chemistry in the mind and the body, etc., so that we begin to get into certain thought patterns that fit into that. So if we feel in a negative way, we begin to have negative thoughts. Yeah. 
However, if somebody knows all about this, they can start telling jokes or get you out of that. And then when you start having good thoughts, those good thoughts will then downboy or um, put, put a calming effect upon those feelings. So it works in both directions. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you have really, really good thoughts, you begin to have really good feelings. That's why that's actually part of the practice of gladdening the mind and bringing it up to a, to a state of real satisfaction. You can actually talk yourself into feeling good. Even though a lot of people think that's hard to do, but listen, people have been talking themselves into feeling bad their whole lives. So what's the... <laughs> yeah, I've been, um, I've been experimenting with that, actually. Um, I have been talking myself into, into feeling good. Um, when this kind of stuff happens, um, it's just, I think I forget, like I'll be doing it and then it'll feel, it'll kind of feel good. And then I'll forget. And then before I know it, I'm back in it again. Yes, exactly. That's the sati. We keep having to bring that sati in. And in fact, one of the easy ways to not forget is to make sure that you know each in-breath as a long, deep in-breath, and you know each out-breath as a long, deep out-breath. That way you've got two points of sati about once every 10 or once every 15 seconds. You keep hammering it back, and then you let the mind go kind of within a general context of feeling good and being in the moment. But then when that outbreath is starting up, now you come back and you take a deep sigh and you really allow that outbreath to feel really good. You experience the body. Okay, so this is the way that we start. Learning how to control the body with the breathing. Eventually learning how to sit still. But in the beginning, we're going to learn how to breathe and take control of the body and then begin to energize the body and begin to experience the body in a really wholesome new way. So this is how we begin to work with the body. With the, with the mind, that's in a way the easy part and in another way it's the hardest part. The easy part is to, is to wake up, keep waking up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And then the hardest part is when you've got the mind so corralled that you've got it down to one or two thoughts, getting the mind almost completely empty of everything, but just a few thoughts, like down to the level of a mantra or down to the level of a poem. And that's the only thing that you say, or maybe counting your breaths. But until we get to that point, the mind's going to be all over the place, hard to control. But the best way of controlling it is by getting our our mind in that state of satisfaction. If the mind is in a state of dissatisfaction, it's going to be really hard to control. Mm. It's all over the place. But if we can get it into a state of satisfaction, now we can begin to control it. And so controlling the mind, then uh, we begin to say, okay, we're only going to have two kinds of thoughts. One kind of thought we're going to let in and the other kind of thought we're going to keep out. The kind of thought we keep out is the kind of thought that if I entertain it, 
it will bring on anxiety and therefore take me out of the state of pleasure. Okay, so, but the kind of thought of my isn't as wonderful. Yes, I can do this. Wow, what a nice day. Or this wind on the face feels really good. Those are the kind of thoughts then that will bring about a state of actual feeling pleasure. Feel satisfied. And we do that with the, with the breathing of the deep breath. And this is how we begin to gather the jhana factors. And then the last one is to add with that effort the right attitude, which is I can do this. We can become successful. I can catch that anxiety wherever it is, whether it's deep or whether it just got started. I can yank that stuff out and come back and feel good. So uh, something that just came to mind right now is um, that I can do this most of, like pretty much a lot of the time when I'm not working um but during work it's um it's quite difficult um because there's a lot of thinking involved um when i write the code um You're right and I find okay. it's really fast and Can then, i ask you this question and then we'll move on immediately okay yeah while you're writing code are you thinking about your breath at all I, I've tried to, actually, but I've, I've, um, it's just felt like, it's just felt like I can't, I can't work when I do that. I don't know. Uh, so I've been sort of thinking, all right, I'm going to work, I'm going to do my thing, and then once, and then maybe I'll take periodic breaks, or after work, um, I'll get back to it, but during work, it's kind of the not following the breath time for the most part. Okay, well, how about a compromise between the two and say that every time that you write, say, 10 lines of code or do one uh, box, uh, one drop-down box or whatever, you reward yourself by taking a long, deep breath and say, my, what a good boy am I, look at that beautiful code. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually, that's great. Yeah, all right. Because the other possibility is you get re really stuck in the code, I got to do it, I got to do it, and then we got anxiety again. But if you can yeah. stop every 10 lines of code, every five lines of code, every three lines of code, you get my trip. <laughs> By the end of the day, my head just feels all like, just feels all, um, sort of pressurized I suppose with with the uh, with the normal way of doing it. well so okay so every time that uh, you take a time to take a deep breath every 10 lines of code recognize that that is actually taking the pressure off that's putting a relief valve on so that at the end of the day you don't feel like you're ending a day under pressure at all that you're ending, ending the day, yippee ki yo ki yay Ha, yeah. <laughs> it's over. 
So that's the way of, of, of doing it, is begin to enjoy what you're doing. Because the normal way of doing it is having a job and doing what you're told to do because you got to do it because you'll starve if you don't. You know the whole long uh, story that our society tells people. Yeah. That's what's kept you in school and kept you struggling and all of that kind of stuff. And it's time to change your attitude. I'm not saying stop what you're doing. I'm saying, number one, look at what you're doing. And two, enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, begin to enjoy. So every 10 lines of code, a deep breath and a happy smile. And wow, I'm glad I got that done. Mm -hmm. Or whatever little units that you want to make up for yourself. That's up to you. That's yep. too much detail for me to instruct you in. That's something you got to figure out for yourself. Just so long as you keep doing it over and over and over and over again. That's sati. Yeah, all right. I think that's the biggest thing, actually, because it's like during the during the week, um, it's it's um, it's like as soon as work's over, well, before and after work, I'm just focusing on trying to get the mind back into that good state. Mm -hmm. And in the weekends, it's like it's fine. It's 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 quite easy to get into that into the good state but during the during the actual work hours it just seems like that's what's kind of holding me back the lack of mindfulness the lack of um, well you were told to work yeah exactly you're so, not um, supposed to enjoy work you're supposed to do it <laughs> exactly so um, now yeah, you say well we can change our attitude like about that the, the question is right now not whether I'm going to do it or not. The question is, am I going to enjoy doing it? Mm. Yeah. But that's an interesting, um, it's, it's sort of like a, a bar uh, like this, mm. or a place, a box with four corners. And on uh, the left and the right is the box of uh, either I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. And yep. then on the on the bottom and top is that I'm not going to enjoy it and I'm going to enjoy it. So in that regard, you can either do it and enjoy it or you can do it and not enjoy it or you can not do it and enjoy not doing it or you can enjoy or uh, you can uh, not do it and uh be miserable and worried and um, guilt-ridden and whatnot about not doing it. Yep. The choice is ours about how we're going to feel, not about the task itself at hand. So, in fact, you always have a four-way choice. And if you can remember that, I know which one you'll choose. Yeah. For a while, you'll choose happy doing, and eventually you start doing, you'll start choosing very happy non-doing. Yeah, that kind of comes with the territory is, is that we begin to see, wait a minute, that stuff doesn't really need to be done. Now, does it? And if I don't do it, somebody else will like this. The yard that I'm that I live in here is an absolute garden. It's beautiful. The trick is I don't have to do anything because other people enjoy the garden, too. They're the ones that are out doing. And I don't have to do anything. 
Mm. Except enjoy the garden. So that's kind of the way of looking at life is, is that already people are striven to do stuff. Anything that needs to be done can be done by somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and the question is, how can we find a way of living happily? And the way to do that is continue with your job. I would never tell somebody to quit their job. But I would say, start enjoying it. Start mm -hmm. looking at those things to prevent us from enjoying it and start um, uh, working with that. Now, along with that question that I, uh, about every 10 lines of code or so, with it, within the sutta, uh, they work about it from a different position, and that is in the sense of begin to watch what your hands are doing. Because, in fact, when you're writing code, you're either at a keyboard or, heaven help, you're at a, uh, a key punch machine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is? Um, I think so. It's like how it used That's to be back in the day. That's how we wrote code. We punched it into <laughs> the card and run it into the hopper. Okay, but nowadays it's just um, um, a keyboard. You're certainly not writing code on paper, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> with a pen. No, no, no. But while you're, while you're typing and working with it, recognize that you are using your hands. You can begin to note when you grasp, when you reach, when you touch, when you hold something, like an example of, of it is with, with this item here, that mindfully he reaches, he grasps, you can even see that he opens his hands a little bit and then he touches. And the, uh, the point is, where was the first place that the touch was? Was it on the thumb or one of the other fingers, et cetera, like that? And then when we grasp it, we know fully that we've got it in our hands. This is a real wake-up call for sati with the hands. It's a big part of the practice. It really puts us in touch with the body and start watching what our hands are doing. I've so when you, when you hold something and then set it down, make sure that you know that you're setting it down. That the last point of touch, you make sure that you know that it was that finger that was the last thing to touch. And then when you draw your hand back, you draw it slowly. Now we can do that when going to the toilet. We can do that while we're sitting doing code. We can do that all yeah. kinds of things. For instance, how do you grasp your cup of coffee when you're sitting there at coding? Mm -hmm. Every coding spot has a cup of coffee. Mostly the cup's already empty, but. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's not, we, when we grasp that cup, we know that we're grasping it. We know what we're doing. We make note of the hand movements. And this will really greatly begin to help waking up throughout the day so that we can now help us to remember, I'm here to enjoy this job. I'm not here to work. So something I've, I noticed about the hands and the arms, I suppose, as well, so there's the feelings of knowing the the hands, knowing the arms. Um, you okay? I'm sorry, what was that? Um, yeah, so there's the feelings of knowing the hands, of knowing the arms. Mm -hmm. Right? 
and I notice that when I'm anxious or when I'm restless, there's a lot of, um, it feels like the restlessness or the anxiety is kind of in the hands, it's in the arms. But I don't know if that's, I, th I, I, I think that that's kind of, it's just my interpretation of those sensations. Oh no, oh no. If anxiety is what I described it, then it's actually in the blood. Right. And it goes all over the place. So adrenaline is in, that. right, the adrenaline is uh, carried throughout the body for the getting ready to the flight or fright. So yes, you can experience anxiety in your hand. And it can be done in the sense that they feel stiff or that they feel like that they want to clench or other things like this. So what you can do in, with that kind of stuff is actually intentionally relax them, do some mitromastic like this, okay. bring them back to a state of homeostasis, bring them together, let them be friends. Yeah. All right. And so, uh, but you got to take your hands off the keyboard to do that one. <laughs> and so this is the way that we begin to practice is mixing our work with our joy, with our pleasure. Yeah, I, I, I really do need to do that. I think that's that's what's that's what's missing in all of this. The work time. Yeah, so that's your choice to be miserable all day at work like everybody else, or you can begin to enjoy the day. You've yeah. already got all the skills to enjoy it. All you have to do is put them into use. Mm. Well, that's great. I think that this is marvelous. You're making good progress. Keep on, and you'll be doing okay. So yeah, I'll hear from you in good. a couple of days or whatever. You got any questions before we finish? Um, no. Excellent. We'll see you. Excellent right. progress. See you soon. Okay, bye-bye.